Are you here? Well, if you're here, would you please let me know? Raise your hand. Raise your eyebrows. Smile. Look, I like knowing it's you. And I like knowing that you are here. Here, listening to the Paul Leslie Hour, whether you know it or not. Well, you know it now. I just told you. Okay. We got an interview from our audio and radio archives. This was when jazz singer, recording artist Vanessa Rachi joined Paul Edward Leslie to talk about her debut album, Italiano Frescas. And that's what she is. Her vocals are like Michelangelo Frescas, only musical. If you look at the song titles on that album, you'll see words like, well, they're not English. You see, Vanessa Rachi's album, Italiana Fresca, features her interpretations of songs from the Italian-American songbook. We'd like to remind you that the Paul Leslie Hour will be hitting 20 years of interviews this October. And we can't do it without you, the listener. So please, go visit www.thepaulleslie.com slash support. Now, Vanessa Rachi. Sounds like a good idea to me. It's a great pleasure to welcome singer and recording artist Vanessa Rachi. Her 2017 debut album, Italiana Fresca, is out now. It's a great pleasure. Likewise, Paul. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, it's our pleasure. So tell us, did you identify with being... Italian from a very early age? I did. It's funny when I went to school, even in in elementary school, we would all ask each other our ethnic backgrounds. And I would always say I'm Italian, even though I was born in America, because I was brought up with just strong cultural connection. And tell us a little more about what does it mean to you to be an Italian American? Sure. So, well, I grew up in a, you know, with my immediate family, my mom, my dad, and my sister. And then like many Italian American families, my grandfather grew up living in the basement. And so for us and for many Italian families, it means being extremely close with family, always connecting through, through talking and food, especially we would always have Sunday pasta together every weekend. And uh, my grandfather would always be toasting with a glass of wine saying Chandani, which means to a hundred years. And he he actually did. He lived to 102. And it means, you know, just having lots of fun and never forgetting what's really important in life. I feel like that's the the backbone of, of Italian-American families, that family is the most important and connecting. Where were you born? I was born in Yonkers, actually, but grew up in Thornwood, New York. Okay. And for the listeners out there, which could be people from anywhere, what is that area of the country like? So Thornwood is a small little like Italian-American community in Westchester, New York. So I guess it's like middle-class suburbia. My father installed heating and air conditioning systems. My mother worked on and off. It's, you know, it was a, a very pleasant working class sort of community. If you could tell us what a typical day would be like if we could just drop in, drop in your household 
on any given day, what kind of stuff would we yes. hear? What would we see? Uh, you would probably hear my mother yelling at my father. You would smell, <laughs> you would smell pasta sauce being made on the on the stove, um, and you would hear music. My dad would be in the garden tending to his tomatoes and basil, but that's that's typically what's happening around this time of year. <laughs> Gosh, that did sound very Italian. <laughs> <laughs> that's for sure. Well, you mentioned your grandfather. I was hoping you could tell us about him. What was his name? Sure. What was was he like? Oh, my God. He was such a character. And I'm so fortunate that I was able to grow up in the same household as as him because um, we had a very special bond that's very different from, you know, a, a, a child and a parent. He was kind of like my partner in crime and let me get get away with certain things and kept my secrets in exchange for uh, for pastries. <laughs> so, uh, but he was quite a character. He's a World War II vet, lived to 102. He always, he ran every day. He would always say, if you stop moving, you stop breathing. So he would, even in his 90s, he would run every day, a little, a little old man jog. And he was driving until he was 98. He taught me the music of the Italian-American songbook because whenever he pulled in to the driveway every day, I'd hear like Connie Francis, Dean Martin, Lou Monti, Al Martino, and all of those classic singers like blasting from from his car windows. And my mom would actually have to reprimand him because he would do that too late at night and wake the neighbors. But <laughs> so we always heard, um, heard that music and, um, he was a faithful babysitter for us. He would pick me up from school every day. He would take me to dance class. He would attend all of my performances. I've, I've been performing since I was four years old. And he always used to slip me a 20 after every show and, and call me his little celebrity. That was his thing. Oh, <laughs> that's great. <laughs> and, and his name? Oh, I forgot his name. His name is uh, Francesco Prisciantelli. Say that 10 times fast. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of music in that name. Mm Mm-hmm. That's right. You mentioned him playing all of these records. You called it the Italian-American Songbook. Mm Mm-hmm. Tell us about some of these recordings. Sure. They were passed down to, from his generation to my parents and, you know, and also from him directly to me because we lived in the same household. But they're recordings that I think are alive in most Italian-American families that they're connected with their culture because they remind you, like, not only are they just great classic tunes with classic melodies um, that everyone enjoys and they have some Italian-American lyrics that connect back to, um, you know, our native country, but they also just remind you of family and sitting around the dinner table. Like, we would always play the Mob Hits compilation CD and every you know, every Christmas we would always have the songs playing, especially Dominic the Donkey by Lumanti. But they're they're just staples, I, I feel, of an Italian-American family. And we would sing them together a lot. And especially when my grandfather had a stroke, um, he had a stroke at around 98 years old, he became a little bit withdrawn. And uh, as you know, as most old elderly do, but I would come and visit him and just sing these songs to him and it would really just just wake him up. He would just come to life. 
And so they have very special meaning to me just beyond the cultural connection because it enables me to, to connect with my grandfather in a different way. So going from hearing these recordings, tell us about how that kind of evolved. How did that go from being music that you loved and had special meaning to you to making this record? Sure. So I was initially, so I, I was singing as a, um, a jazz standard singer for four years, and I really wanted to make a unique record. And a lot of, a lot of singers do jazz standards. And, you know, I love, obviously, I love the music of the Great American Songbook, but I really wanted to do something different and unique that was a bit more personal to me and who I am. So I was soul searching for a while. I worked on originals and was going to launch an album of originals. And then one of my grandfathers passed away and the other grandfather, and I was driving in the car singing Aldila because it was a song I used to sing with him and kind of just hit me. You know, sometimes when you're looking for an idea, you you have to just look right in front of you, right? You can't look too far. And I said, well, these songs have so much meaning to me and my family and I love them and they're, jazz and style, I think this is going to be my next album. And so I went home and I furiously wrote down a list of songs that I would have on the album and how, what I could bring that's unique to them. And then brought the idea to Johnny Valenti of Birdland Jazz Club, New York City, because not only is he a jazz aficionado, but he's also Italian. So I wanted to see what he would, what he thought of it and his gut reaction. And he's an honest man. He will, he will tell you if he doesn't like something. But um, he said, wow, I think that's a really unique idea. And I love the idea you have for these arrangements. And so I asked him to help connect me with a producer and connected me with David Fink, who's a renowned bassist in the New York Trite State area. And um, the rest is history. (laughs) Was it intimidating at all to go into a recording studio? Oh, yes, for sure. It's a very different animal from live performance, which is something I was more used to. I had recorded in the studio before, but I'm not as accustomed to it as I am to live performance. It picks up every little detail, every pin drop, every, you know, sibilance, every, you know, T sound or smack of your lips. And you just have to be really careful and um, work a little bit harder to convey the emotion because someone's not looking at your face. They're not seeing your body language. And so you just have to go a a bit further to make sure that emotion comes across. And once you got into the swing of things, making this album, Italiana Fresca, what was the experience like for you? It was an amazing learning experience. It's a first, I've had a demo before, but this is my first like real professional album I learned so much along the way and I grew a lot as an artist throughout the process. Just, you know, hearing myself recorded and listening back and saying, wow, that doesn't sound like what I think I should sound like or what I sound like live. And how do I adjust certain things to make sure the experience is the same live as it is on the recording and just learning how to adjust my technique to make what I want happen. So. I think that sort of summarizes it in a long-winded way. <laughs> now that the project is, is the recording of this project is completed, 
tell us about the songs that to you resonated the most. Probably hard sure. to pick, but go ahead. No, no, not at all. They're definitely, I think, it's kind of like when you have children, you don't want to admit that you have your favorites, but you always, <laughs> you always do. <laughs> and I do have a favorite. Mine happens to be Walyona on the album, uh, which means street urchin. A Walio is a street urchin. And the reason why I love this song is because we really brought something unique to it, number one. Like it was typically sung in a Tarantella style by Connie Francis, and we gave it a New Orleans gritty street vibe. So it's completely new to people's ears. That's number one. And also, too, I feel like it has a very strong female empowerment message because this Walio or street urchin is following around a woman twice his age. And she really puts him in his place. And she says, really, you, you're trying to get with me? Well, if you had me, you wouldn't know what to do with me. Go back to your mommy, little boy. And I, and I love it. And I think it was really ahead of its time because it was recorded in 1957. So I wanted to, to bring it back and make sure people hear that message. How did you go through this process of writing the new English lyrics for some of these songs? Oh, wow. It was a very long, organic process. <laughs> so first I started going through my repertoire of Italian-American songs that I had in my playlist and then doing some more research beyond to, to look into other compilations that were at my grandfather's house and just to make sure I was really vetting all the possibilities. Then listened to all of them, assessed which I thought would really be authentic coming from me and that had special meaning to me in some way. Then once I narrowed down to that set, I kind of sang it over and over and spoke it to myself, which a lot of singers do to really extract the emotion of the lyric. And in that process and through like speaking back the lyric, you discover the true emotion of the song and if, and then see if it's being expressed in the original arrangement. So that kind of gave me my ideas for how to reinvent them. So, for example, like Oso Le Mio is typically done as an, an opera ballad. But when I really dug into the lyric, it essentially means like you are my sunshine because you're, because you're seeing the light in someone's face. So when I think about those lyrics and what they mean, to me, it feels very dreamy and ethereal. So that gave me the inspiration for to make it dreamy and ethereal. And I worked with my arranger, Glafkos Contemeniotis, to turn it into a, a 5-4 ballad. We're talking with singer and recording artist Vanessa Rachi, kind of just giving us a general idea, not just of the Italian singers, of all of them. Who would you say your influences are? So definitely Frank Sinatra, who hasn't been influenced by, by Old Blue Eyes. For sure, Connie Francis, I love the cry in her voice. It's very characteristic of Neapolitan singers, and I am also Neapolitan. So I like to think that I have some of that. And Dean Martin, he was also an inspiration of mine. He was one of my grandfather's favorites as well. And then, uh, you know, there's some more modern singers like Georgia, who I love. She's, I love her rendition of uh, Di Sole da Puro. And, of course, Bocelli. <laughs> Obviously, it's a very different style from the music I'm singing, but he was a family favorite as well. As you've just mentioned from that list, there have been so many singers who are 
to this day, of course, Sinatra, for example, when we think of singers, we think of them and they're Italian-Americans. We could go on and list a lot of them. Vic Damone. Mm-hmm. We could just keep going. But my question here, why do you think that so many Italians are great singers? Ooh, that is a good question. I think because we're passionate people. That's a gross generalization, but I think most Italians would agree. <laughs> um, we're very passionate people. We wear our emotions on our sleeve. And that's that's a, one of the marks of a great singer, if you can easily convey your emotion to an audience. And I think it's a bit easier for us because we're already there. <laughs> hmm. So when you take a song that you know from a recording, what's the approach that you take to go from listening to it as a listener and then making it your own? Sure. It's kind of the same process I explained before where I kind of talk I talk it through. I talk through the lyric as though I'm speaking to someone like, oh, sole mio, or, you know, return to me. Oh, my dear, I'm so lonely. You know, I just, just speak the lyric and see what comes to me and really try and put myself in that character situation. I'll go back to a time where I have either experienced that or try and have empathy for that situation and moment, and then just feel kind of what emotions are overwhelming me in that moment. And then that usually leads to arrangement ideas. Now that the project is recorded and you look back at it, what do you think about it? I think it's amazing. David Fink gave me some amazing, amazing musicians to work with to realize my vision. And it's a, a real labor of love, like the the biggest thing I've accomplished. And it's it's funny, people will, I, I am married and people would say to me when I got married, congratulations. And I never understood that because I didn't think it took much effort to get married. <laughs> but this is what I feel is the real accomplishment in my life. And, and this is what I feel deserves a congratulations. <laughs> well, congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I fished for that compliment. <laughs> <laughs> well, the album has received some recognition by some Pretty acclaimed people. I wanted you to Mm -hmm. tell us about some of the praise that the album is getting. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, so Jane Munheit, who is actually uh, another inspiration of mine as a jazz singer, she reviewed the album for me and gave it a lovely quote, which I was so honored to receive. And Mark Morganelli of uh, Jazz Forum Arts in New York and the Midwest Record did a review of it recently. I love how they, the, the phrase they coined or the, the um, way they're describing the album, they called it the mob hits compilation for hipsters. <laughs> and it's so mm. funny how sometimes it takes like a third party view to really, you know, just describe it succinctly. And I feel like they did such a good job at that. <laughs> Uh, Linda Mena from Cabaret Scenes wrote a glowing review. It was so sweet of her. I didn't even ask her. I just sent her the album because I knew she would enjoy it. And she just wrote this amazingly glowing review. And you can tell she really understood what I was doing as an Italian-American female. 
And then I know that I haven't received the reviews yet, but I'm, I am getting interviews with Jazzies and New York City Jazz Record and Jazz Weekly. So they should be coming out soon. When somebody listens to this album, Italiana Fresca, aside from just enjoyment, what do you want the listener to get from that experience? I want them to say, wow, that's unique, like whether they're Italian or not, just, you know, love the groove of the music and enjoy listening to it. And also, I'm hoping I'm hoping the lyric, the English lyrics or or the Italian lyric, if whatever they can understand, ignites emotion and passion in them and helps them bring it closer to the surface. For anyone who's listening out there, wherever they might be, this is open-ended. It goes beyond just music. What would you say to anyone who's tuned in? I would say, I hope you listen to the album and give me your honest feedback. I always love to get feedback from from fans and, and listeners. And I hope you like what we've done and can appreciate the the reinventions of the classic songs. Anybody out there, if they want more information, they can visit the website. It's VanessaRacci.com. I'm going to spell that for everybody. R-A-C-C-I. The album, again, it's Italiana Fresca. And my last question, how do you define yourself? Who is Vanessa Racci? Oh, wow. That's a quite a last question. I think of myself as a sprightly Italian-American female powerhouse, or that's how I want people to perceive me at least. <laughs> but um, I try to be strong in everything that I do in life, and I try to keep things fun. I got one more question. Sure. How important is confidence? Oh, my God, it's hugely, hugely important. I think it's probably 50-50, 50% talent, 50% confidence from what I've seen in the industry. But And it's so easy for it to get shaken because everyone has an opinion. It's a lot of hard work, so it's very easy to get down on yourself. I definitely get down on myself as, as anybody does. But, you know, you have to kind of, Stay true to who you are, and that's, I think, the real mark of confidence. Like, if you can just continue to stay the path that you think is right and listen to your gut and don't let that be shaken, then I think it's that's usually the best path. <laughs> when somebody does get down on themselves, not just an artist, but just anybody, because yeah. we all do that, what do you do? Well, something that I do is talk to myself. If that's, I don't know if that's weird, but I just say, well, this is silly. That's one person's opinion. Everyone's going to have an opinion. and Or today is a hard day, and there's going to be hard days, and there's going to be good days. And just think about the big picture and what you're trying to accomplish and how far you've come. So talking to myself always works. I'm my own therapist. <laughs> yeah, that's not crazy. Yeah, it's called self-talk. <laughs> right. Well, thank you so much for sharing with us. 
No problem. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Thank you, Paul. Take care. Thank you for stopping by today. If you enjoyed our program, consider telling a friend about it. The Paul Leslie Hour is made possible through people just like you. So you want to keep the show going, right? Go to thepaulleslie.com. That's thepaulleslie.com. Click on Support the Show. And thanks to everyone who contributes. Performance of the intro music is courtesy of John Primerano, the entertainer, written by Scott Joplin. End credit theme music is courtesy of John Primerano, the traditional song, Corina, Corina. Your announcer is Dan Gold. Hey, that's me. The show is hosted and produced by Paul Leslie. And we'll see you next time on the Paul Leslie Hour.